Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. I want to get back to this, and obviously I went, uh, and I'm not going to do a, a big review or anything, but two weeks ago, uh, started a series, uh, it, it really, one title of it could be The Misunderstood God, and the other title of it could be Misunderstanding God. And I shared a little bit about my grace ship experience that I had five years ago that, that actually turned and steered my life and, of course, the life of this church into a, into a, uh, a rediscovery process. I think we're all, you know, five years later, I'm going... And I, 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 I'm pretty convinced now that I don't know much and, and what it meant. And I'm not going to go all the way through that. You can get, get online if you want to hear that teaching. Um, in, in that experience, what I saw was something that was a metaphor. It was, it was symbolism of a ship that was titled Grace Acts, A-C-T-S, underneath it. And then I saw people, and I was given an assignment to invite people and uh, to compel people, not to argue or debate or convince, but to compel people to get on the ship. And the thing that was hindering them was they all had uh, luggage or baggage with them. And I could somehow see and knew that inside those bags were three things, and it was beliefs, doctrines, and traditions. Now, in the metaphor, what I understood is God wasn't asking me to, or you, I would never ask you to dump everything that you've ever believed or known about God. That would be foolishness for anybody. Um, That isn't what he was asking me to do. I don't believe that's what God is asking you to do today. What I do believe is that God is, through this metaphor, he's inviting us to explore even the things that we've become have become commonplace in our lives of what we understand about our faith, about our Christianity, about what, why we believe what we believe. I've had to venture into so many whys, and I've read countless number of books now over the five years. I don't, I don't mean that as a as a brag on me, but seriously, I've had to read probably between someplace between thirty and forty books, and. It has been life-changing for me. Um, I went clear back to early church fathers because I wanted to make sure that what I expressed to you would indeed invite and compel you into this incredible understanding of who God is. As I explored it, I, I, I needed to look not only at what I believe, but really to ask in all sincerity... And to really seek it out, that which was true, uh, why I believed what and the way I believed, and not was I on track, but the, the reformation, who am I? And really, though, I, I always believed in the love of God so deeply. I, I From the time, you know, my my. Spiritual birth date is coming up here next next month. But for 42 years, I believed that God loved me. I never doubted God's love. 
I didn't understand it completely, and I certainly didn't understand, you know, it, it was this. I didn't completely understand the love of God, nor did I completely understand the God of love. Paul stated that over and over again. That's very scriptural. In Philippians, he cries out, Oh, that I might know him. Here's Paul, who's had encounters, has gone to heaven and everything else, and is telling a whole church, Oh, oh, that I could know him. In Ephesians, he, he, put, you know, he expresses in Ephesians 3, he said, I pray for you that you would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, depth, length, and height of the love of God. And that it would, then he prays in that same prayer, he goes, that it would go beyond your understanding. So Paul had that same cry after years of of expressing to other people how much God loved them. He still had that same cry in his heart. I want to, I want to know you. Now, did you not have that most of your life? Most of it was, I want to be better. I want, I see what you're like, and I'm not anything close to that, and I need to be a better person. I was always, there were always measuring sticks in my life. Even if I expressed right things to other people, when it was just me and God alone, there was the measuring stick, and I never felt like I measured up. Now, I believe that God was okay with me in that most of the time unless the measurement was really wonky and I was using metric and he was using American standard. If you get my meaning, we weren't measuring it the same way. And uh, so I thought what would be good this morning is I want to give you some examples of what I'm actually talking about so that you will be invited to begin to look and explore And find God in a different way. When I looked at what I believed about God. I I had this one. This is an example of one of them. Of many. And I don't know if you had this. But I believed and I taught. That salvation was when somebody gave their life to the Lord. I went through numerous meetings. Numerous altar calls. uh, A lot of... uh, I will say this, a lot of conviction about getting other people to surrender their lives and give their lives to the Lord. Well, on this journey, is it's one of the first things I ran into. I read a book by, uh, uh, by Steve McVeigh that said uh, this. It was a book called 52 Lies You Hear in Church Every Sunday. And that was the first chapter. And he said, salvation is not about someone giving their life to the Lord. Salvation is Jesus Christ giving his life for them. Now, you go, well, yeah, it's just semantics. No, it's not. Because it changes the subject-object. It changes the complete understanding. Because then it's still this. I have this part of me, and okay, God, I'm... I'm, I'm going to give you this, but I'm still in control of this. So would you be Lord of my life, sort of? But I want you to know it's still, it's still about me. Well, just that one simple thing started to just, 
it, it got me on this track of understanding of, wait a minute. This isn't about me being the most important thing. This is about him being the import, most important thing so I can be the most important thing. Do you follow me? It changed, it changed my whole belief. It, it just started to shake it up, and I kept going, what? Because it changed the emphasis, that the emphasis was on God and not on me. And did I really believe that about God, that he completely put his life into me? Or did I need to continue to make sure that that was there on a daily basis? That led into a doctrinal issue for me. So this is, this is me exploring me. Now, you may not have had those issues. Maybe you're going, no big deal. But listen, in misunderstanding God, there are big deals that lead to other big deals. One for me was uh, the doctrine of sinners saved by grace. I received that in my understanding of Christianity and what I was taught. And I put my stuff on it. And then passed it on to many other disciples that I taught and everything. And what that meant for me was that there were two natures inside of me. That God had rescued me and he had put a, you know, a, uh, a saved nature inside of me. But there was this war going on that hap- had to happen daily in all of life, of all I've went through. And it looks something like this. Maybe you've gone through this. Inside of me was Darth Lloyd. And every day, and he was powerful. He really liked sin. And he was always being tempted. And he was this... Lloyd, I am your father. Always ready to take me out. And I always had to be on guard against him because he was more powerful than Lloyd Skywalker. Even though Lloyd Skywalker had his lightsaber, well, every day they clashed. And honestly, the sparks probably hurt Lloyd a lot and hurt a lot of other people as I battled through of what was going to win, and then it was like a bad horror picture. You know those bad ones? Have you ever noticed this about horror pictures? That they always have evil, always more powerful than good, and that usually the reason the good wins at the end is that there's some incredible little thing that happens that wasn't supposed to happen, so good can ultimately triumph. And you go, that doesn't, how does that affect your faith? It does. Because that, that war inside of me that I had two different natures, good Lloyd, bad Lloyd, fighting each other, set me up for that. That every day I had to battle and make sure that Lloyd Skywalker was coming out on top. That meant I went into a traditions of things that I was taught that as I studied this, and I really started looking at who God is and who I am, realizing that I had been taught that I had to crucify myself daily. Do you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about? I had to 
murder the flesh. That above all, I better use everything within my being. Now, have you ever seen somebody try and crucify themselves? Now, think through the imagery of that. Okay, I'm going to do it for you. It came out of teachings that took the word of God out of context where Paul said, I die daily. And what he was talking about, my lifestyle is they're they're trying to kill me most days. Along with another teaching that Jesus gave about taking our cross up and combined those that we had to somehow kill this old man. Well, what's the truth there then? You have been made brand new. When Jesus Christ came into you, he did that thing of the death. You, when you receive what Jesus did, this is what Romans 6 teaches. He died, you died. He was buried, you were buried. He was raised to new life, you were raised to new life. What's true of him is now true of you. There, there, there's, no, there's no Darth Lloyd winning out. I am a new being, completely new being. And so it started to break up all these different traditional things that I had just, I had been taught them. And you go, yeah, and I'm, stu- I'm not stupid. I'm a studied person. And, uh, and so I did as a, as a person called as a minister. I studied and all this stuff. And I had to go, huh, you know, I'm not so sure I had everything right. Now that's a little, that's a little um, destabilizing. So yes, so did it destabilize you and wreck your faith? No, it did quite the opposite. It destabilized me so I could find my true faith. It didn't destabilize me to where I was going, well, does that mean that nothing counted? No, it all counted. It was just God was getting into my life and saying, you know, you've been misunderstanding me. And you keep trying to understand yourself. And in your identity, you will truly, truly never know you till you truly know me. And I went, oh, then I want to know this. And I just took everything as I said, I'm going to have to live with some ambiguity. I'm going to have to live with when people ask me questions, I'm going to have to go, you know, I'm not sure about that, but I'm searching it out. And looking at it from, from every possible angle. This is what it really did to me. I, I got, and maybe you did too, I came to an understanding of being a Christian in the hippie era. Okay, and then we had all these sayings that went with it. Uh, in order to, to uh, give testimony to other people or talk to other people or witness to other people, when they would say, yeah, I don't want religion, we'd say, oh, I'm not religious, I just love the Lord. Do you remember that statement? I just believed that for a lot of years, and this is what I found out in these searches. 
was pretty religious. <laughs> Especially when I started understanding what religion is. And the, where the very word came from. You know, there's only one time that it's used in a positive way in the word of God. When James talks about this is true religion, about helping others who are in need. But the word religion comes from the Latin word religare, to restrain, to tie back. Isn't that a wonderful word? My own religion restraining my life in God. My understanding. And that, then it went through this of really, I, as I went through these things, and I think God will take you through it, I had to look at the law and everything that Paul taught about that grace and what Jesus did has set me free from the law. And then the arguments and the accusations coming, well, listen, how are you going to control your life without the law? How are you going to control others in your church without the law? If you don't tell them that's against the law, then they're going to do whatever they want. Well, the issue is when Jesus comes in and gives you a new nature, the want that you want to do is to live in who exactly he says you are. And you don't need the law to be that restraint. So it wasn't about law for me. What it was, was I had to identify something in my life. In my religion, of my understanding of Christianity, I was legalistic. I'm not against the law of God today. It's perfect. It's stunning. It's a very exacting measurement device. If you live by the law, you will find, always find out how far away you are from God. And you will never be close enough. Because you'll never live it completely. And that means even if there's just one decimal point, that's how far away you are. And that started to shake me. And I realized, wait a minute. It's not about law, it's about legalism. I was in that strict, literal, excessive conformity. Mostly to a moral code. If Lloyd isn't a good enough guy then he needs to obey more to be that good enough guy. Does this sound familiar? I hope it's given you things to hang on to here. Always trying to be very best, and always not being called into ministry, but this is your life also, whether you think you're called to ministry or not. I always had to have a good testimony. and Don't bring anything against the name of the Lord. If you make a mistake and the enemy uncovers it, it will hurt tons of people, and they might turn from Jesus. That was the dastardly stuff that went through my head and my life, and the, and the pressure, and that, that legalism tended to be this, always living. Now, remember the doctrinal issues that I had. Here's how it played out, so you can hang on to real practical things. And maybe this is still okay for you, but what I found was it was a despicable way to live. Every night before I shut my eyes, I prayed a prayer. You know what it was? Oh God, if I have done anything to offend you today, if I sinned in any way and I'm not aware of it, 
I'm praying this prayer now. Please cover me in that sin. And if I didn't do anything that you needed me to do, and I messed up, and I didn't see it, and that it could bring something against your name, oh God, wash that from me right now so I can sleep okay. What? As though I'm the defender of the faith. Listen, you're not the defender of the faith. You're the beloved child of God, accepted in the beloved. And though I would have said, yes, I have, as the the old writers would have termed this, I have assurance of faith that on that day I'm going to go to heaven. But man, my assurance of faith sure didn't work in the day-to-day grind. And then I started through that, I started attributing things to about what the love of God was that discounted grace. And grace, and we all give more definitions so that we try and make it more understandable to us. It's quite simple. It is the unmerited favor of God. And though I I, I was taught I, I believed Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, just like you do, and by grace we are saved through faith, that not of ourselves, that it's a free gift. But this is what I believed. Yes, you had to do that, but you better work real hard on your own salvation with fear and trembling and make sure it's there. Listen, you're not only saved by grace, you're kept by grace. That's the only, and the answer is only the same every time. Listen, if you go up and mess up really bad this afternoon, how are you going to get that squared up? You're going you're gonna to work it out to be okay with him now? If you do the seven prayers in the right order? No. So this is what it taught me, another doctrinal issue. I didn't have it because I believed that 1 John 1, 9 meant that, man, if you have any unconfessed sin in your life, boy, you're in deep trouble with God. He's checking his list. He's checking it twice. And he's pretty sure you're naughty and not nice. You see how it distorted the image of who God is? The love of God? The God of love and the love of God? Those all got tangled up in my head, in my doctrines, in, in what I understood. No wonder he was inviting me into this metaphor of a grace ship. He was beckoning me as a father to a son, child, come back into who I am. He's beckoning you every day, I tell you. He will beckon you. And and this is what Paul meant in Romans 5. The grace that we stand in is the grace that we believe and receive. See, we think the grace that we stand in is he'll give you enough grace. That's why we always add definitions to grace. He'll give you enough stuff, enough empowerment that you won't make as many mistakes today. We're religious. We're legalists. Here's what a legalist does. It comes through two ways, spiritual negotiation and and coming up with really the right equation that you come out on the positive side. More good behavior is what it looked like for me, plus less bad behavior, plus how other people thought about my behavior, Plus, 
making sure I had that carte blanche prayer set at night, equal to life in God. I always loved God. I believe God loved me. But man, what an exasperated spiritual life. I would run church and not like it. Felt like a hypocrite most of the time. Always wish that, you know, if I do these seven things better, the church will grow. See, that's how the equation starts. Now, we all do it. You do it. Listen, I can still fall back in the trap tomorrow. Start putting an equation. If I do these prayers, and I know fasting won't get me anything, but maybe, just maybe, where it says he's a rewarder, and he'll notice. So I'm going to just, you know, I don't want to do a long one, but just three days to get his attention. Because surely if he sees me going without for three days, he'll go, oh, that poor Lloyd. Look at him going without food to get my attention. Yes, come here, Peter, let's answer one for him. Just a little one so he doesn't get cocky. You see what I mean about the negotiations? We, We start negotiating our spirituality. Well, through all that, what had to change, and this is why it is somewhat of a prayer of abandonment, it was coming back to trust that God is who he says he is, and he's probably more than I comprehend. And then that affected me. Maybe he has a view of me that I don't comprehend. I've been working on me a long time to prove to him I was okay. When he did one act that made me okay for eternity. Made you okay for eternity. We sang the song this morning. So what really had to happen is my perspective. This is the definition of perspective. The interrelation in which a subject or its parts are mentally viewed. In this case, Lloyd put himself back under the microscope. And what I found was, in grace, I had to quit doing that. And instead, what I had to do was to look up. Instead of doing inspection on Lloyd, I had to change my perspective. Jesus, if you're really, if you're really God, if you're really the God of the gospel, I want to see that and I want to know that. And when that started to happen, I will tell you, this old boy changed. I started to see God through love. The scriptures started to come back to me, not as rules and equations, but as invitations from God and love sonnets. How he viewed me. How he wanted me to see him. My entire perspective started to change. I I, I was going, I mean, both Brenda and I, we were were going, "Oh, oh my God, I've never read it this way before. Our entire perspective, when it starts coming from a grace perspective, his unmerited favor, his love for you, it started to change everything that I understood. Really, everything? Yes, even the right beliefs, even the right doctrines, even the right traditions 
took a nuance on them that made me feel as though I was born again again. And I began to understand and grow and change. All those prayers, if you had this, oh God, I just want to get better at this. Oh God, every year starting out the new year. Um, I said this along with many others that I've talked through through years. Lord, I, I want to know you more this year, and I would really like to grow. And then I did the usually the New Year's condition, setting up the equation. Listen, Lord, I want, to, I, want you, I want to ask for your grace to help me read my Bible more. I'd like to switch it from 20 minutes a day to 30, or maybe once a week. Uh, and, Lord, I, I, would you give me grace to help pray more? It was always this working, working, working to become who he had already made me to be. Trying to grow in something I already am. Why was that so important? Let's look at this scripture and then I'll explain it. So this is 1 John 4.12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. Notice it doesn't say will be perfected. Has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. I had an equation over abiding that totally discounted this statement. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. And God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Not that we will become. Not that if you do these things, then there's a good chance that you're going to reflect who he is. What does it say? As he is, Let me ask you a question right now, even for the today. Can you point right at yourself and say that very word is true of me? Can you look at yourself with complete conviction, belief, and doctrine and say what is true of him is true of me? Oh, man, it grates against all that stuff and that baggage, doesn't it? Oh, 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 oh. Oh, listen, if you abandon yourself to this thing, this is what I found. That there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now, I'm going to make a statement that's probably going to shake some of you. I no longer fear the Lord 
under the old definition. Because that fear of the Lord under the old definition was, you better watch out, you better not pout. Better not be a crybaby. You better not be a sneak. Don't let that little golem out. You know what he wants to do. Always living in that somewhat fear of judgment. I wouldn't measure up. But when I started to see the love that God had for me, and that what he had declared of me, that it was true of him, is now true of me, changed everything. Before we go on the journey of looking this, I want to tell you why this is so deeply important. I want to read something to you. Why I believe This is so deeply and vastly foundational to change of your understanding. Do you really want a change of the understanding of the expression of faith in this generation? Then it has to change in you. And it's this. The bottom line is this. That over the long haul, you will act like who you think you are. Did you hear that? The bottom line is, there's been psychological studies on this. So it's this. Your self-assessment will affect what you expect. Now psychologists call it a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's this. If you believe you're fundamentally a sinner, your default setting will be to act like a sinner. If you still see yourself as a sinner saved by grace, you will constantly be dealing with sin issues in your life. If you see yourself as the declared righteousness of God, that He became sin for you and died for you, He became sin that you might be His righteousness... You begin to live in that and everything changes. Suddenly you become a righteous person with a righteous consciousness. Of believing that there is a God who loved me so much that he implanted his very being into my being. And there is no scary horror movie from hell that can ever steal it, take it, knock it down, change it, rob it, or befuddle it. It is a declared truth over me and my identity. And then my obedience, you know, because that's where this, you still got the equations working. My obedience comes out of the expression of who he is in me. I obey because I'm in him. I don't obey to get to know him. Obedience isn't part of the equation to tool that if, if you're, listen, if you're obedient and where you messed up, you, you know, you dot the I and cross the T, make sure that one was confessed. Now you're going to be okay. Now you can have a relationship with God. 
Now he won't. See, and I was taught, I don't know what your traditions were. Well, yeah, God's always with you. But, you know, when you really sin, he kind of, he's like a dove. And he kind of, and the Holy Spirit distances himself from you. Did you have that? That's a bunch of bunk. God will not leave you. Do you know what he, I started looking at the word and what it declared. And maybe, just maybe, God isn't who I thought he was and neither was I. I wasn't who I thought I was and it changed everything about me. I'm going to have the team come up and I want to I close with reading this. Because in this and reading all these books and stuff and uh, this book, The Cure, and this church out of Phoenix called Open Door and a couple of the people there so dramatically revolutionized my understanding, changed it in a deep, dramatic way. But I want to read something that, that, that the writers of The Cure wrote. And... Uh, Especially thankful for John Lynch. So, John, I don't know if you ever listened to our teachings, but there you go. I love you, buddy. And I'm so thankful for you. But he talked about this, about getting to know this God of love and believing what he had done. And that we had received righteousness, who he is. So he said, it may feel like a gamble to you, but it's no gamble to God. Have you ever felt like your own life was a gamble? You really weren't quite sure that God did it because if you really did a self-evaluation, you just probably really aren't good enough. This is what he writes. God has shown all of his cards, revealing breathtaking protection. He says, in essence, what if I tell them who they now are? What if I take away any element of fear? What if I tell them I will always love them, that I love them right now as much as I love my only son? What if I tell them there are no logs of past offenses, of how little they pray or how often they've let me down? What if I tell them they're actually righteous right now? What if I tell them I'm crazy about them? What if I tell them that I'm their savior? They're going to heaven no matter what. It's a done deal. What if I tell them they have a new nature, That they are saints, not saved sinners. What if I tell them I actually live in them now? My love, power, and nature at their disposal. What if I tell them that they don't have to put on masks? That they don't need to pretend we're close? What if they knew that when they mess up, I'll never retaliate? What if they were convinced bad circumstances aren't my way of evening the score? What if they knew the basis of our friendship isn't how little they sin, but how much they allow me to love them? Oh, that one. Absolutely just. What if I tell them they can open their eyes when they pray and still go to heaven? What if I tell them there's no secret agenda? There's no trap door. For me, my language was, yeah, but when's the other shoe going to fall? Things have been going pretty good. I haven't sinned very much for three weeks. I know the enemy's going to do something right now. He's probably got a set-up trap waiting for me. Oh, God, help me. Please open my eyes to see it. Don't let me walk into that one. 
don't let Darth Lloyd win. What if I tell them it isn't about their self-effort, but about allowing me to live my life through them? Here's where it led me and where I would like it to lead you. And in 2016, just set, some, set all of it aside, not some of it. Even if you're right where I'm at, join me. Invitation, join me again this year. I thought of the old foreigner song in this invitation. Actually, it was written by Billy Joel, for those of you who are music fanatics. Do you know what it is? I want to know what love is. I want to know the God of love. And I want to know the love of God. Because that will make every change possible and necessary in my life. Instead of me working on some more behavior issues, instead of me working a little bit harder to be a little bit better son, to be a little bit more spiritual. And listen, if you want to make a commitment to read your Bible more, God bless you. There's nothing wrong with that. But to do it to be okay with God, there's something wrong with that. To do it out of love and go, Oh, that I can know you. You see the difference? It's perspective. It's it's perspective. Growth is perspective. You find out who the God of love is this year. I promise you at the end of the year, you'll be a different person. Some of you don't believe me. I promise you. You ask God to reveal his great love to you this year, no matter what. You will be a different person at the end of this year. How do you know? You know, doing it for, I prayed it every year for the past five years. I want to know what love is. I want to learn to live loved for the first time in my life. I don't care what the baggage is anymore. God, you can inspect right down to the very dust in the bottom of that thing. Oh, and he has. Oh, has he. He will say he knows everything and then assume that he doesn't. I better make sure I can get... Well, I'm going to ignore that one for a little while because after I get this stuff right, then we'll go back and deal with this. Is that okay, Jesus? Is that that okay with you? I know you're tender, you're loving. So would you just forget that part of my life this year? And, And we'll work on these other couple of things that I know that I'm capable of doing. Because I'm, I'm so broken there. It just destabilizes me. And the father answers and says, I only know you through my son. And he's perfect in all his ways. I only see you because my son lives in you. I find you completely compatible with me today. I'm there to help you. I'm the God who's there. I gave everything already. What more can I give? I loved you so much, I gave you my son. And he willingly came. What more could I give? 
Well, you don't have to shut your eyes. Here's my invitation to you. Just tell him, I want to know what love is. I want to understand the God of love and the love of God. I want it to drive out my fear of you that I don't measure up. I want it to drive out that I'm a disappointment to you. I want to drive out the fact that I'm so discouraged over my own life, I don't know how you can even look at me or care for me. I want to take away the circumstances that I'm facing right now and not make them a barrier between you and I. And God of all things, I'm not going to assume that I have those circumstances because you're unhappy with me. I, oh God, in the delight of your heart. More, more than I could ever imagine. You are for me. You are not against me. Are we to humble ourselves? Yeah. Here's what true humility looks like. I am who God says I am. It's the most humble statement you will ever say of yourself. I am who God says I am. I am accepted in the beloved. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am saved. Oh, and here's that strange evangelical word that we like to fight over. I'm sanctified. (laughs) that's, That's what Romans says. You've now become his sanctification. I got to grow into Christ likeness. <laughs> you are Christ likeness. He came and is alive in you. Now you can grow in your knowledge, your understanding, getting this awareness of the love of God. But beloved, you will never be more sanctified than you are right now. All of that other stuff is self effort. You trying to prove to God, yourself, and others that you're making it, that you're not falling behind, you're not, you're not lagging. What do you say to that? Well, glory. Glory be to God. Look at this incredible salvation. Look at this incredible being. Would you stand with me? Everything will want to fight you on this. Speak the truth to yourself in love and see what happens. See it break up, tear open the bags. Let your heart rejoice in the Father.